Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Hallelujah. Listen to what the Bible says in Luke 17, 19. And Jesus said to the man, Stand up and go, for your faith has made you whole. I want to speak to you this morning from a sermon titled, Faith That Works Requires Action. Look at somebody and say, Action. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you for each person who's come out today. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would speak to us. Speak to our heart, God, to our spirit, down on the inside. Teach us what you would have us to know. God, I thank you for this community that you've placed us in, Lord. I pray that you would bless this area. Father, I pray that crime would go down and grades would go up. Father, I pray that your love would permeate this building and it would flow from out of this place to this community, to this city, and to the world. Father, I pray now during this time that you would anoint me to say what you'd have me to say. Anoint us to have ears to hear what the Spirit says to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Faith that works requires action. That's, that's the whole message right there. I, I wish that we were more mature spiritually as a group than we are. Because if we really were all that spiritually, this, the title of the sermon could just be enough. The title of the sermon could be enough to realize that, that the Bible talks a lot about faith. The scripture says without faith it's impossible to please God. You can't be who God wants you to be without faith. Some of y'all wondering why this Christianity thing don't work for you. Your faith is not proper. Your faith doesn't work because faith requires action. That, that's enough right there. But I'm going to give you some context. and We're going to build around the passage and look at what Jesus said. I love the Gospels. You need to always be reading the Gospels. You're, you need to keep your face in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or one or all. You need to have your face in the Gospels at all times because you will read what the Lord said. We are Christians. We follow the life and the teaching of Jesus Christ. You get that in the Gospels. The, the rest of the Bible tells us about God. It's, we have, the Bible says we have those stories for our examples, but I love reading the Gospels, and I believe that you're going to learn something today that's going to help you be who God is has called you to be so we're going to look at this story from Luke when I say story I don't mean made up story I mean history or his story I, I mean a historical account of what really happened Christians believe that the Bible is what really happened and telling the truth can anybody say amen I want us to learn something that we can apply to our lives in my reading and I do a lot of reading pray for me I'm, I'm almost there. Some of y'all been waiting. Y'all want to laugh at me. Some of y'all, I don't understand why people want to see successful people have a downfall. Now, I, I realize we're predominantly African-American church, but we're still a, uh, uh, what, what's the word? We're a diverse church. We, we're still a church of diversity. As long as I'm preaching, we'll be diverse. People are like, Pastor, you ought to go out and get a tan. No, I got to stay extra white to, to balance out. Amen. We got some extra dark. I got to be extra white so we can stay diverse. 
But as, as, as a white person, pastor in a predominantly African-American church, I, I can tell you that the crab syndrome is not just in the black community. Now, it is prevalent. How many people know the crab syndrome is prevalent in the, in the black community? You start to climb up, they want to do what? They want to pull you down. Why is that? That is sick and twisted. That is just crazy. People want to see somebody around them getting up, having theirs, getting theirs, and then they want to try to pull them down, beat them down, and, and drag them backwards. Listen, learn how to celebrate when somebody else is being successful so you can get some success in your own life. Learn how to be rejoicing for somebody else rising up and realize if they can rise, maybe I can rise. I say all that because some of y'all want to see the preacher. Oh, people just, people love to play me because they want to beat me. People love, listen, I tell you, if I lose in any event tonight, which I won't, but if I lose in any event tonight, people are going to be happy. Oh, they're going to tell it. They're going to take out a, if they had the money, they'd put a billboard on Blanding Boulevard. That ain't going to happen. But one thing that is happening, and you can pray for me, I read all the time. I, I read 12 to 15 hours a day. If you don't believe that, follow me. I read all the, I read everything. I put my eyes on everything I can put my eyes on. Uh, I, I, listen, people talk about fake news being the mainstream. Media people talk about Fox News being fake news and, and biased. People talk about CNN. People talk about MS. I read everything on every side of every equation, plus I keep my face in the book. So I'm reading all the time, every day. My kids, we go, we, we, we travel, and we get into hotel rooms, and they will see me on my phone reading and they're on their phone doing a little bit of reading, watching YouTube videos, looking at comedy skits. They're just playing video games. And they usually fall out at 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning because we are a late crowd. We are, we are a night owl crowd. But my oldest son tells me all the time, Dad, if you're still up at 6 o'clock, wake me up so I can go down and get the breakfast. I said, what do you be doing at five, four, five, six o'clock staring at that phone? Reading. Now, let me tell you something. It's getting difficult for a 53-year-old man to be reading on an iPhone. I'm thinking about upgrading to a Samsung. I remember when Deacon Jimmy got that Samsung. Now, they went back to smaller. Samsung got a brain, and they went back. But any of y'all remember that Samsung phone that looked like a laptop phone carrying around like this? Talking, holding two hands, talking on it like this. And I used to think, why would you want a phone that is 25 inches long? And now I'm thinking, man, at about 5 a.m. after being up all day long reading, stuff started getting blurry. Y'all pray for me. Pray for my vision. Uh, people have heard me tell it. I have never in my life wore a pair of eyeglasses or contacts. And you're supposed to start doing that around 40. But I didn't do it at 40. See, when Gail was alive, she was an optician. And she would tell me, people come in, and, and they'll, they'll say it. Last week, I was reading fine. All of a sudden, it went blurry. And, and they were trained to ask them, have you had a birthday recently? You don't say, how old are you? Yeah, that's a good trick. Have you had a birthday recently? Yeah, I just turned 40 last month. Bing. 
And so she told me, because she'd been wearing contacts since she was 13 years old, and she was just waiting. She was just crab syndrome in me. She was just waiting, waiting for me to turn 40. She knew I was going to need glasses and I was going to be struck. Listen, if I ever need glasses, I, will not, I don't know how y'all wear contacts. I can't put drops in my eyes. Y'all put, y'all put y'all's fingers in y'all's eyes. Uh, ain't happening. It, it, it just, but she was waiting. Turn 40 didn't happen. Turn 45 didn't happen. Turn 50 didn't happen. Going to turn 54 uh, in two weeks. Uh, hmm. I can still read this. I remember when Bishop went to a large print Bible. I'm like, man, that book looks heavy. You're carrying 47 pounds of Bible. But pray for me. Uh, we're going to see if I can get to 54 uh, without glasses. I'm betting on me. Hallelujah. Let's get, let's get to the Word. I was reading this week a lot, and I came across some stuff that I, I put on the screen. I, I want you to not only hear this, but to see it. One author said, we can never do the work of God in a dark world until we're motivated first by what God has done for us. Here's the thing. A lot of people get saved, and they go out and they say, I want to do the work of God in my community. And listen, any community is a dark place. Any place outside of the presence of God is dark. Any community needs, needs God's light. Any community, the world is a dark and a perverted place, the Bible says. So Christians want to go out into this world and do the work of God. But you need to understand, you can't do the work of God until you're motivated first by what God has done for you. If God hadn't done anything for you, you can't go do nothing for nobody else. And even if God has done something for you, if that's not your motivation, you're going to fail at what you're trying to do. you got to be motivated by what God has done for you. That's why I love people to get saved out of ghettos, out of crime, out of drugs, out of alcohol, out of prostitution. Because if you ever really get changed from something, if you ever really get delivered from something, if you ever really get healed from something, if God ever really takes you from one place and brings you to another place, you're going to be so thankful. You're going to be so grateful. You are going to be motivated by what God has done in you. Some of y'all so saved you can't hardly stand it. Some of y'all just so in love with God, you get around your friends and your family and like, oh, there she come. Here we go. Here, here come Jesus, lady. Oh, oh, don't talk. Don't say nothing. Here come preacher, man. And, and, and they, want to, they want to tell you, you just always got to have something on your mouth about Jesus. Listen, people who are really motivated by what God has done in them, they can't help but to want to do something for somebody else. They can't help but to want to take what God has showed them and give it away to somebody else. Not only that, but the same author said this, we can never love the world in the name of Christ until we're first filled with the love of Christ for us. You can't go out. See, God commanded us to love him and to love everybody. You can't love everybody for God unless you realize how much God loves you. If you don't have a deep sense of he loves me, oh, he loves me. If you don't have a deep sense of Jesus loves me, this I know for the Bible tells me so. If you're still wondering when God's going to bless you, if you're still wondering when your ship is going to come in, if you're still wondering when God is going to show up in your life and you don't realize he showed up at the cross and gave you everything that you need to have, 
then you can't really go out and show the world anything. See, we want to change the world as a church. The, our mission is to transform the world by the power of God's love. Our mission is to transform our world, this world, this space that we occupy by the power of God's love. But if you're not motivated by the fact that God loves you, then your motivation is going to be wrong. It's going to be false, and it's going to wane, and then you're going to be sitting on the sideline when God wants you in the game. God wants us to be filled with the love that Christ has for us. That's why the scripture says those who are forgiven much love God much. We think that that has to be somebody coming out of prison. We think that has to be somebody coming off crack. We think that it has to be somebody coming from homelessness or something really difficult. But I want you to know the most lily white, clean been in church all their life, never smoked a cigarette, never drank, never done anything in their life that, that the church would call bad. They've still been forgiven much when God saves them because they were sinners too, just like us. But we got to be filled with this understanding that he loves us because if you get it in your mind how much he loves you, that is going to fill you up and motivate you to go out and to tell somebody. There was a great 20th century missionary named Leslie Newbegin, and he put it this way. The Christian love is one, the, the Christian person is one who has forever given up on the hope of being able to think of himself as a good man. A real Christian does not think of themselves as a good man or a good woman. You think of yourself as a converted person. You think, listen, I tell people all the time, me, to myself, I'm, I don't have morals. I wasn't raised with morals. I, I was raised in, in, in wildness and in, in craziness. I don't have morals. You say, well, Pastor, we need a preacher that has morals. Listen, I don't have morals outside of Christ, but as God motivates me, I have Holy Ghost conviction and Bible to stand on. We, we don't need to see our... Let, let, me, let me read what he, what he went on to say. He is forever a sinner for whom the Son of God had to die because by no other means could he be forgiven. This is how you need to see yourself. Well, I'm a good person. If you walk around thinking you're a good person, you don't realize how much God has done for you. Listen to what he went on to say. In a sense, we can say that he has given up the effort to be good. That is no longer his aim. He is seeking to do one thing and one thing only. Listen to what he said. To pay back something of the unpayable debt of gratitude to the Christ who loved him as a sinner and died for him on the cross. If you don't have a sense of payback in your mind, I'm not saying you work for salvation. Salvation's a free gift. But you ought to have a sense of gratitude that says, after all he's done for me, I've got to do something for him. Let's get into this passage of scripture i i love my bible you ought to have your own bible and you ought to have a study bible you ought to have a study bible that breaks down the passages into sections into titled sections you ought to have a study bible where somebody with real great brilliance took and broke this thing down so you can get it in bite-sized pieces these sections we've studied them before are called pericopes a pericope is a standalone section in literature that you can read and start and be finished inside that section 
in our writing, in our lower educational writing, we call those paragraphs. Okay? The Bible is written in paragraphs or in pericopes, and if you just try to read chapter to chapter, you're going to miss out on some stuff. Because I, I, my Bible, if, you, if you're looking at my Bible on page 1563, you would see that verse 11 starts a new subsection, a new pericope. And it, it's titled in my Bible, Jesus' Teaching Concerning Gratitude. And chapter, verse 7 uh, is, a, is a pericope before that titled Jesus' Teaching Concerning Service. But we want to look at Jesus' Teaching Concerning Gratitude. Say gratitude. In verse 11 it says, As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. Here Jesus is going out teaching. He's walking. Uh, you know, we travel so much. Most people travel, well, not most people, but a lot of people travel more in two days than Jesus traveled in his whole lifetime. But he didn't have cars to get there. He was walking and he was teaching. As, as, as he continued toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. Listen, Jews didn't mess around with Samaritans. They, they, they hated each other. They didn't come in contact with each other. They didn't walk on the same side of the street. If they saw a Samaritan coming, they'd turn around and walk the other way, even if it meant they didn't get their task done that day. If, if they came in contact with a Samaritan, they had to go do ceremonial ritual washings because they felt Samaritans were so beneath them. But I'm thankful that we serve a God who was willing to go to the uttermost and the guttermost and to tell anybody that his father loved them. So Jesus is going to the very edge of where people thought he wouldn't go. He's, he's teaching anybody who will listen. In verse 12 says, as he entered a village there, Ten lepers stood at a distance. Leprosy was very prevalent in this area during the first century. Now, I thought for most of my adult life that leprosy was something that was in the Bible days that don't happen no more. And, you know, I don't, I don't know that we deal with a lot of leprosy in America, but uh, on our banners, if you look at th those banners, represent missionaries we send money to every month and that we partner with. These are friends of ours. They come and preach to us, and, and they pray for us. That banner that says India on it, Pastor Matthew Carvilla, who I've been friends and in relationship with ministry-wise for over 20 years, born in India, educated in America, uh, extremely brilliant dude, was working in corporate America, making six figures, living the American dream when he realized my people in India need to hear about Jesus. And so Matthew Carvilla decided it's amazing how, how these people from India have, have such common names. Their last name, not always easy to say, but they'll be named Matthew, Mark, Luke, Paul. Anybody ever get them on the phone and you're like, could I just have a brother to talk to? Hello, thanking you for calling Comcast. My name is John, and I will be assisting you in your recipe in your people as we make all in the packet. Y'all got anybody named Tyrone over there? Could I just speak to Shaquina at least? No, 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 no. I ain't really happy you ain't in the back now. Is Bubba available? 
could I talk to somebody named, named Bill? Okay. Hello, my name is Bill. And I'm like, okay. It's, it's hard to understand Matthew sometimes, all I'm saying. But he's so brilliant. And he's so educated. He was making so much money when, when God put it on his heart that life ain't about money. Anybody realize that yet? Life's not about this American dream. We've been lied to in America to, to believe that what we're supposed to do is get a better house than mom and daddy had and live higher than our neighbors while they chase us up and we pull them down so we can chase over them. Go ahead and go, go to one of these subdivisions and, 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 and look at the dude that had the, the biggest house three years ago. Guess what they did? Somebody built a bigger one. Why? Because somebody wanted to live in the largest house. And Watch somebody put up a chain-link fence around their yard. They feel good about it. Guess what the neighbor's going to do? They're going to put up a big six-foot wooden privacy fence. Now, guess what happens after the neighbor puts up a six-foot wooden privacy fence? Somebody's going to be like, we're going to put up that vinyl fence and let them all know that we got money. Well, right after somebody puts up that vinyl fence, then somebody's like, you know what? Let's go buy an Audi. They can't spell Audi. But they think in their mind, if we get an Audi, that's just going to blow up their Ford Taurus, and they're going to know we're the ones that have made it. Somebody go buy that Audi, the neighbor sees it. First thing they think, oh, no, they didn't. Making my Ford Taurus look bad, we will go buy a Beamer. Go get that BMW. Neighbor sees that, and they're like, all these people, look at that Audi in that They think they're going to make me look bad living over here with that little vinyl fence. I'm going to go get me a Mercedes Benz. And this is why you drive through neighborhoods. There go Audi. There go BMW. There go Mercedes Benz. Listen. I want to tell you something. Before you try to be all American dream, before you try to rise up and do that, my Toyota Camry and my Lincoln Navigator get their oil changed and keep piercing Toyota for $29 while you wait. Get you an Audi, a Mercedes Benz, or a BMW. The oil change takes six and a half hours and costs between $200 and $585 to get your oil change. Climb up that ladder if you want to. American dream if you want to. Go ahead. Hey, they live on both sides of me with their brand new cars, and I pull my dirty Lincoln and my dirty Toyota up in that driveway every day. Why is he living in our neighborhood? He don't even play golf. No, I don't. I've never seen him at the tennis court. You ain't going to. Why does he even live here? He doesn't come to the amenity center. Not going there either. I'm living life. And I'm not trying to crawl up by nobody's standard. I'm, I'm not trying to, to live this American dream. Listen, it, it's never been God's plan just to chase more stuff. Don't do that. Be content with what you have. Learn how to thank God for what you have. Quit trying to have something else. I told you before, if you got a one-bedroom apartment that you can't keep clean, you don't deserve a two-bedroom apartment. 
If you got an 1,100-square-foot house that, that got mold growing all on the backside of it, you don't deserve a 1,200-square-foot house. Be thankful for what you have. Be grateful for what you have. And don't believe that a bigger house and a $600 oil change car going to make you feel better about who you are. Realize how much God loves you and you hold your head high. Realize that this life is temporary and you're going to heaven when you die. People look like they're, listen, people keeping score on all the wrong things. People keeping score on, on how you drive and how you wear and, and, and how much bling you've got. People keeping score on who's better than who. Listen, keep score all you want to. I'm on the winning team. When the, when, when the final, I'm like the New England Patriots. It don't matter what the score was at halftime. It didn't matter what the score was. Uh, down by, what, 28 points in the fourth quarter? Seattle was already celebrating. Who was it? Who was celebrating? Atlanta Falcons was already celebrating. But listen, Tom Brady and that, that dude, my, me and my kids watched a, a, a documentary on that show. Tom Brady down by 28 points. And that, that little white dude, Julian Edelman, the receiver, down. They kept walking to everybody. It's going to make a great story. This is what they make movies about, y'all. We're about to do this. We're about to do it. And they never even flinched because they knew that they were going to win. You need to have a mindset, no matter how down you are, no matter what everybody thinks the score is on you, no matter what everybody, no matter how many times somebody has counted you out or looked at you as less than, you need to realize, y'all don't know what I know. You think you're winning, but I'm winning. You think you got it going on, but I'm the one that's got it going on. You think you're living up, but I'm up higher than anybody can get. When you know that God loves you, you, you know that you've got everything that you need. We don't see a lot of lepers here. Matthew went to India, and he is daily ministering in a leper colony. Uh, every one of those, they're all like, Pastor Scott, you need to come and take a visit to India. Mm, 20 hours on a, on a plane, that ain't me, dog. I'll, I'll pray for you. Pastor Scott, you need to come. We have 13 churches that we support in Monrovia, Liberia, West Africa. And Pastor Kuhn wants me to fly to uh, Monrovia in Liberia, West Africa. And that's about 25 hours on a plane. And I'm like, mm-hmm. See, that's a good thing. There are very few pluses about being a single dad until somebody tells you they want you to fly 25 hours one way on a plane. I'm like, yeah, y'all know I'm a single father. I got to stay here and watch my children. But to be honest, if India was on the south side of Jacksonville, I mean, let's be honest, if India was on, uh, you know, Timaquana, right up the street, if, if India was on a different part of 103rd and there were leper colonies there, how many of y'all want to go? Lepers? Leprosy? That, that don't even sound good. Toe, people with toes and fingers and ears and noses that just have fallen off. That's who he's ministering to daily. So don't think leprosy was just an issue back then. It's still an issue in certain parts of the world today. And the Bible says Jesus entered this village where lepers were. Now, lepers had to stay away from everybody else. And lepers had to let you know when you were coming near them by screaming, unclean, unclean, leprosy. So you know don't come in here because it's highly contagious. You don't want to come in contact 
with somebody like that. One of, one of the uh, coolest things I ever learned because it grosses people out was what the Bible really means when the Scripture says that all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. All of our right, the very best we can do is as a filthy rag to God. When you compare, people think that they're doing good and that they're morally upright, but when you compare it to God, you just get on your knees and say, woe is me, I'm a sinner and I'm undone, just like everybody in the Bible had to do. Well, when the Scripture says that all of our righteousness is as filthy rags, it is contextually talking about a leprosy rag or a rag in a leper's colony because here's what lepers had to do all the time. They had to wipe the pus and the blood and the disease and the falling off body parts on a rag so they just weren't walking around oozing everywhere, which is what their skin does. So they would take these rags and they would hang them on poles at the border of where they were so people would see these rags hanging on poles and they would know you don't want to go in there. So here's what the scripture says. All our righteousness is as filthy rags. The very best we can do outside of Christ is a pus-filled, bloody, diseased, leprosy-oozing rag compared to how good God is. All our righteousness is as filthy rags. Where does that rag hang? Anybody? On that leper pole. What's that rag look like? Stank. I'm not talking about the rag you dusted your kitchen table with, got a little pledge on it. I'm talking about it is not even close to being what you would want it to be. What am I telling you? You can't be what God wants you to be without him living through you. You can't live the Christian life on your own. You need Jesus to show up. And fortunately for these lepers, Jesus showed up. And they cried out to him in verse 13, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. There's a whole lot being said here that I'm not going to take time to dissect every word in this text. But they cried out Jesus, so they knew who he was. They knew who he was because they had heard, and faith comes by what? Hearing. They knew who he was because they had heard. They had heard who Jesus was, but just hearing what Jesus is doesn't make him anything to you. He, you can hear about Jesus from other people, but it doesn't become personal to you. They showed that it was personal to them what they had heard about him because they didn't just call him by his name. They addressed him as Master. They addressed him as the one sent by God to have mercy on people. And they recognized who Jesus was. They recognized he was Messiah come to save them. And they cried out, have mercy on us. Listen, if you want to get better, first thing you got to do is realize you jacked up. I've had people email me and ask me, Pastor Scott, you seem like you're a pretty good person. Why do you always say you're jacked up? Why do you always say that your life is a train wreck? Why do you always say that, that you're nothing? Because without God, everything's upside down and nothing. And these people realize we have a problem. Oh, if you want to get better, you got to realize you got a problem. First step in solving a problem is identifying that there is a problem. 
You got to identify what your problem is. You know, there's alcoholics in this room that, that won't, won't admit to being alcoholic. That's why when you go to those meetings, they make you say, my, my name is Scott and I'm an alcoholic. Because you, you got to just face it head on. Now, you know, real deep drunk. There's a difference between a drunk and alcoholic. Y'all know what the difference between a drunk and alcoholic is? Drunks don't go to meetings. That's the only difference between a drunk and an alcoholic. Drunk, drunks don't, and there are people in this room that are alcoholic that will not admit that they have a, I don't have a problem with drinking. And they're defensive about their problem with drinking. There are people in this room that are drug addicts. There are people in this room that are drug addicts that will tell you, I don't have a problem with drugs. I, I, I just medicate my issues. You want to get help. You got to identify that you're struggling. Does anybody know that outside of Jesus Christ, your life is a struggle? They cried out to Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Verse 14, he looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priest. <laughs> okay, this is just crazy. I mean, it's the Bible and I love it. I know it's true. But they said, have mercy on us. Did he say, here's mercy? He said, go show yourself to the priest. They said, have mercy on us. He didn't do what he'd done in times past and say, what do you desire of me? And the blind man said, that, that we may see. He didn't ask them, what do you want me to fix and fix it? He said, go show you. That'd be like you say, hey, Pastor Scott, I need to talk to you, man. I'm struggling. I, uh, I, need, I, I don't have money for my lights. And I, and I say, uh, go, go. Go show yourself to the manager at Waffle House. In your mind, you're thinking, fool. I came to you with a problem. She's talking about Waffle House. Man, I need some cash, some coins, some check. I need some money. He said, go. They said, have mercy on us. He said, go show yourself to the priest. This does not make any sense to them. They're asking for a healing. They're asking for mercy from God. And he's telling them to do something that has nothing to do with what they were asking for. What am I telling you? God's ways aren't always our ways. You're not always going to understand what God has required of you. You're not always, it's not always going to make sense to you what God is doing in your life. People are going to die. You're not going to understand why they die. That's why you need to stop driving yourself crazy. I don't know why sister so-and-so, how, how she would be. I don't, I don't understand how come brother son. Well, stop driving yourself crazy with that. Just get on with what God has for you. Thank you. Now, see, if that had been any of us, let's just be honest. I mean, if, I mean it's like being gunshot wound. Leprosy kills you. People are bleeding, pus oozing out of them, noses and fingers falling off. And they're like, we're asking you to fix us. Go show yourself to the priest. I didn't ask the priest to do anything. They probably already tried all that. And he said, go show yourself to the priest. Well, this don't really make any sense to them either because they were not allowed to go to the temple. First off, they were Samaritans. They weren't allowed to go anywhere around Jewish people. They weren't allowed to go and talk to the priest. They were viewed as less than, outcast, and stay out. 
But I want to tell you something. No matter how low you come from, no matter what's wrong with you, no matter how many issues you've got, if you get touched with one encounter by Jesus, there's nobody that can tell you no. Go show yourself to the priest. God's healing don't always come like you think it would. God's healing is not always instantaneous. God's healing is not always a right now thing. People pray and ask God to heal them, and they don't get it, and they give up. Faith that works requires action. That's the title of the message. Faith that works. They had faith. Oh, they had faith. They called him master. They knew who he was, and they believed who he was, and they knew he could heal them. They had big faith in Jesus. They were walking on faith. They, they were by faith people. They were confession people. They, they were declaring decree folk. They were calling it out, and nothing was happening until they put action to their faith. He said, go show yourself to the priest. The very next phrase says, as they went, comma. Always pay attention to the punctuation. You want to read the Bible in bite-sized pieces? You want to understand every phrase inside the Scripture? God wants you to learn from the Bible, not just read the Bible. As they went. Jesus said, go. The very next phrase says, as they went. When Jesus tells you to go, guess what you ought to do? Most people don't. Most people pray for God to do something in their life, and they sit. Most people pray for God to do something in their life, and they wait. Most people think waiting on the Lord means being still. Waiting on the Lord has nothing to do with being still. Waiting is an action. We go every day somewhere to eat. My kids and I eat out every day. That, that's not exaggeration. That's not, well, he probably means they eat out three times. No, every single day. We go out to eat and because people get tired of cereal. I make a good bowl of cereal. I don't understand. I make a good bowl of cereal. I make a decent peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I get the, I get the jelly all the way to the edges. If the jelly's not all the way to the edges, you're not making a good sandwich. You got to put some slide on that. You understand? Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. You you got you got to have choke sandwich, but you got to have some slide to go with it. Y'all, some of y'all ain't old enough to even know what I'm saying. But we we go out to eat every day, and we we were out somewhere. I don't even know where it was. Oh yeah, I do. It was Jefferson's Wing Shack. Now there wasn't a, there wasn't a lot of people there. This was in Alabama uh, last week, and uh, it was it was obviously um, I don't even know I don't even know a politically correct way to say it. Listen, what what do, what do y'all think the predominant flavor inside Jefferson's Wing Shack's gonna be? Well, there wasn't a lot of white folk in there. That's what I'm trying to say. But I'm cool because I knew the food was gonna be good. It was a local joint. Tourists weren't fine. It was hard to find. It was off the beaten path. I'm like, we're going to get some real food in here. God be my witness. The lady that walked up to us had a rag tied on her head with a big knot in front of it. I'm thinking, does she know it's 2017? 
And she said, and my kids caught this and thought it funny. She said, my name is Wilma, and I'm going to be your waiter today. Waitress? Wilma? You know you're a girl, right? She said, I'm going to be your waiter today. Well, you know, it got unpolitically correct to call them folk waiters because women get all bowed up. She said, I'm a waitress. Recognize me. Feminine girl power. Feminazi. So then it got, you know, oh, we can't address gender. So let's call them servers because that fits he and she. He, she, or she, he. I mean, that's why they went to servers. Because, you know, if Wilma got an Adam's apple the size of a watermelon and a voice like this, she, he, and he, she want to be called a server. But Wilma was our waiter. If she had said, I'm going to wait on y'all today and sat down and stared at the floor, would she be waiting on me? Well, you're going to wait on me. You're going to have to get to stepping. Don't, don't call child services, HRS, GBFY, BA, whatever the initials are on these people today that, that take children. But when we go out to eat, I know what it's going to be. It's, it's, it's going to be a Dr. Pepper for me and Coke for them if it's Coke Place or Mountain Dew for them if it's a Pepsi Place. And I'm going to drink about three of those glasses. Uh, I'm going to need about three refills, two to three refills. They're going to need about two to six refills. We're going to consume down. You're going to charge me $2.95 for a Coke. I'm going to work you to death. <laughs> they try to bring these little cups for my kids. I'm like, you feet ain't that good. You better go. You got a gallon jug. You got a bucket back there. You got a horse trough. We can just put an IV straight and mainline it. I'm going to wait on you. To, you you sure are. Because we were sitting in the back corner, and, and, and I, I saw the fountain machine, and it was all the way over to the other side of Jefferson's Wing Shack. Wilma was going to do some stepping, and she was going to be back and forth. And she come by, y'all need anything? Yeah, we need refills all the way around. See, I, I, I put it on them. I, I know some, some waiters don't really wait, so I always, you watch me, I go uh, Deacon Henry tell you, I get my drink plus a water. Am I right? I get my drink plus a water. Why? Because they don't wait on me right. But if Wilma would have pulled up a chair and sat down and said, I'm just going to sit here and wait on you. I would need a different waitor. Waitress. Somebody that knew what waiting meant. Waiting doesn't mean sitting with no activity. Waiting means attending to the need of somebody else, getting busy in the service of another. When the Bible says wait on the Lord, that don't mean sit on the couch until something happens. That means get up and do something. That means get in action. That means start doing something God can bless. That means put some seed in the ground. That a crop can grow from. God 
told them to go, and they took the stepping. What's wrong with the average Christian today? They think waiting means sitting. What's wrong with the average Christian today? They think that it's going to come the way they want it to come. Well, I'm praying. You know, what did what, what grandmama say? What, what, what did Mother Jefferson say? Mother Jackson on the front row in a white dress and a white hat with a white veil and a white handkerchief. What did she say? Baby, you got to put some feet to your prayers. And I'm going to tell you, listen, I'm going to give you the best theology you're ever going to get today on July 23rd, 2017. All that praying you're doing, all that sitting around the house you're doing, all that confession you're doing, all that declaring decree you're doing, all that is fine. But baby, you got to put some feet to your prayers. Tell me what you're praying about. Tell me what you're walking out. Don't tell me what you're thinking about. Tell me what you're living about. Don't talk about it. Be about it. He told them what to do, and they did it. Woo! What if we had Christians like that in 2017? What if they read the word and they took to walking it out? Didn't have to make. They didn't get what they wanted. They didn't hear what they wanted. They wanted abracadabra, hocus pocus. Your mama's a focus, and boom, leprosy gone. They wanted, you know, they wanted muscles and long. Good, don't trust good hair people. They wanted. They wanted muscles and long hair. They, 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 they wanted just fingers to grow back. None of that happened. I don't know why God hadn't fixed me yet. I don't know why God hadn't worked in my situation yet. I don't know why God hadn't come through for me. You got a road to walk. I've been walking it. Keep walking. They didn't get to the, they did not get from Samaria to the priest in one step. Or two steps. This was a journey. Jesus said, get to walk in. Get up away from me and do what I'm telling you to do. Well, I'm at the house singing. I'm, I'm, I'm just listening to my praise music. Okay, that's good. Well, I'm at, I'm at home praying. Well, yeah, that's good too. Well, I've just been spending time with the Lord. Mm-hmm. That all sounds good. But what's your feet doing? Because until you get to stepping, your faith has no action. My prayer is my action. No, your prayer is your relationship. Or my praise is my action. No, your praise is your relationship. Your feet are your action. Your hands are your action. And he said, get to stepping, and they stepped. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Do you see that? They didn't get healed the way they wanted to get healed. They didn't get healed where they wanted to get healed. They didn't get healed when, where, or how they wanted to get healed. He made them sweat. Christians, 
Where are you sweating? You want to see some sweat? Come up here on Thursday or Friday and watch Brother David. Watch our administrator. Watch these people that work in food and clothing come up here and unload. You know how many boxes of food? You know how many cram full cars? You know how many flatbed trailer pallets? You know how much got to be hauled in to that fellowship hall to feed 400 people every week? You want to see some sweat? Does it make you sweat? Do you, you get your sweat on? Joyce, does it make you sweat? As they went. As they got to moving, as they put their faith in action, they were cleansed of their leprosy. They asked God for something. He did not do it. In their mind, they could say it. Went to him. They said, if you get to Jesus, he'll heal you. Well, I got to Jesus. He didn't heal me. They said, if you just have one, one conversation, if he just speak the word on you, too many people just think, well, if I just speak it, well, what's your feet doing? I'm, I'm at home speaking now. No, that ain't always how it works. As they went, they got their healing. We need folk not just to hear the word and believe the word. We need people who will walk out what God has said to them. In verse 15, the Bible says, one of them, okay, comma, one of them. There were ten in the crowd. Ten cried out. They talked to God. They asked God for specifics. They did what they thought was going to work. But one of them, comma. We talk a lot on Wednesday night about Bible study, how to study the Bible, how to understand the Bible, different principles and keys that you can work to understand what God is saying. One of the rules of interpretation is called the principle of inference what is implied or inferred now bible scholars this is the wednesday night crowd folk mostly uh, bible scholars ought to be able to read and pay attention to the punctuation stop pause it's cause for pause stop pause and understand what does one of them mean what it, it doesn't say it but what's it implying nine of them didn't one of them not all of them one of them, not the rest of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting praise. Shouting praise to God. One of them came back praying. See, there's a process here. There's a formula here. There's a way to get what God has for you here. You got, you got to humble yourself and realize that you have an issue. You got to take that issue to God, and then you got to start walking out everything that God has ever told you. You got to start stepping, moving, sweating. You got to start moving. You got to get to doing what He said. Well, if you've been saved for a long time, He said a long thing, a lot of things in that time. But the Bible says that to who much is given, much is required. Everything that you know, you're responsible for. If you don't know nothing but come to church on Sunday because you just that's all you've learned so far, then you make sure that you do that. But if you've been around God long enough that he said more than three things to you. You got to do what all God has told you to do. And he, when this dude realized that he was healed, he came 
back to Jesus shouting praise to God. You realize you got a problem. You take it to the Lord. You do what God says. You go on your journey. You keep stepping until it happens. You don't turn around. You don't stop going. You keep moving. You keep doing everything God has told you to do. You keep walking in faith. You keep confessing. You keep believing. You keep acting on what God has said. And one day you look around and you realize He touched me. He changed me. He fixed me. I'm different now. I'm changed. And then when that happens, you go back to Jesus and you shout from your mouth, Hallelujah, glory to God, praise the name of the Lord Jesus. This is your process. Well, why ain't God come through for me yet? Walk in faith. Walk in obedience. Get your sweat on. Start serving everywhere you can. Start blessing everywhere you can. Start doing everything that you know that God would have you to do. And I promise you, one day you're going to look around and you're going to say, didn't he do it? Didn't he do it? And when he does it, your response better be to shout praise to his name. And give the credit to God. Because if you don't, he can take from you what he gave to you. I heard a preacher preach one time, God's not an Indian giver. What he gives to you is yours forever. And use the verse that says the gift and calling of God are without repentance. And he didn't understand gifts and calling. We're talking about something spiritual, not something external. God can give you peace. And if you don't live right, he can take it away. Jesus said, peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. I give you peace, real peace on the inside. But guess what? When they got their mind twisted and looked off him, right back. God can give you healing. Set your mind straight. He's a mind regulator and a way maker. Get your focus off him. Your mind will be unregulated and your way will be unmade. Don't think God's not an Indian giver. Don't be using verses out of context thinking he gave it to me and he said his gifts are without repentance. That ain't talking about healing. That ain't talking about peace. That's talking about spiritual gifts and spiritual calling. Those things are without change. That's why every one of these churches that ever kicked a preacher out because they caught him doing some dirt are going to stand before God because God said that he ordains leadership and they fired a man because they found out he wasn't perfect. You're saying, Pastor, you believe these pastors that go out whoremongering and, and, and doing drugs and alcohol ought, ought to stay pastor and they ought to get help. They ought to repent. They ought to confess. If, if they're no longer effective in what God has called them to do, they ought to step down and let somebody else get up there and do it. But throwing them out, firing them, exposing them, saying God is done with them, God ain't never been done with nobody he put a spiritual gift or calling on, ever. David whoremongered and committed murder and was still anointed by God. That's a different message for a different time. Let me, let me keep going. We got this process that we need to go through. Some of y'all tired of waiting on God. Keep stepping. Some of y'all ain't realize waiting involves sweat. Hey, yeah. hey, Wilma was sweating down her back. 
think I saw some hair bush come out from under her sleeve. I mean, Wilma was Alabama old. But she was sweating in Jefferson's wing shack somewhere in Alabama and doing a great job of waiting on us. We asked for something, boom, she'd bring it. We asked for something else, boom, she'd bring it. She was responding to the commands of the people that she chose to wait on. As Christians, we claim that we have chosen to wait on the Lord. That doesn't mean sit. You got to get to step and you got to move on your journey. You got to keep going until something happens. That's why you need to get out of your mind that God hasn't done what you want him to do. You need to have it in your mind. He ain't done it yet, but I'm going to keep stepping. He ain't done it yet, but I'm going to keep serving. He ain't done it yet, but I'm going to keep confessing. He ain't done it yet, but I'm going to keep believing. He ain't going to done it yet, but I'm going to act like it's already happened anyhow. He ain't done it yet, but I ain't going to give up on what I've been promised. He ain't done it yet, but I know he's faithful. If you came to me and asked me to do something very specific for you, and you knew I had the power to do it, and it wouldn't be nothing to me. And I told you, go see the people at Food and Clothing on Saturday. Your first thought would be, my lights will be off by Saturday. I'm talking about what I need right now. He, they needed healed right now. They were having digits fall off right now. He told them, I ain't going to do it for you right now. You're going to have a process. You're going to have to wait. You're going to have to do some stuff. You're going to have to sweat. You're going to have to get to step, and you're going to have to go on a long journey. But as they went, they got healed. One of them saw he was healed, and he came back to Jesus. This is the process. When you see that you get healed, you always take your praise back to God. Give your praise to a human being. If, if, if you do, if, if, if somebody, if some Christian does something good for you, if, if somebody blesses you, listen, if you get around some, 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 some people that, that just love the Lord, they're going to encourage you. Don't, don't, don't say that brother so-and-so uh, gave me strength by, 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 by what he talked about. God used brother so-and-so to strengthen me. God used sister so-and-so. You got to turn all praise back to God. This is the process. This is what the word tells us to do. In verse 16, he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet. Comma. He fell to the ground. Your process not only involves praise, but it involves worship. This is biblical. Pray. Listen, anybody can praise God. Jesus said, if y'all don't do it, the rocks will do it. Jesus said, if, if, if y'all don't do it, the trees will start clapping their hands. God said, clap your hands, all you people. They're standing staring at him like most church folk do. Jesus said, it's fine with me. And the, the rocks can cry out. The trees can clap their hands. Listen, anybody can praise God. You go to a, you go to a concert where the music is right. They dim the lights. Trying to set the atmosphere. Pastor, why don't we dim the lights? Bring the lights down low. Maybe put a fog machine in. Oh, you want it to be dark and smoky. Because you like that club atmosphere. Let me keep moving before y'all just quit everybody. You go 
go to a concert where the lights are dim, the music is right, the fog machine is playing, everybody's moving, you can get your little dance on, you can do your little Pentecostal jig. Everybody can get excited then. People that got their sweat on at the club on Saturday can get their same sweat on in the house of God on Sunday. Praise can be done by anything or anybody, but worship's a different thing. Worship involves relationship. Worship involves covenant. Worship involves surrender. You got to fall down to the ground at Jesus' feet. You can hallelujah praise God all you want to. You can listen to gospel music 49 hours a day. You can know every gospel song on the planet. You can be the singingest. You can have the best little. You can just do everything. You can pray in tongues 79 hours a day. You can just shout until the paint comes off the wall. But you ain't done until you fall down. You're not really in deep. People think they get in deep in prayer. And there's some truth to that. People think they get in deep in, in, in praising the Lord. And there's some truth to that. But if you really get in deep, you fall down. You really get into a deep thought of God and who he is. You get low because he is high. You get down because he is present. You get down because it's the proper response for worship. The word worship in the Hebrew means to bow. To bow. Bow down. I I love that song, bow down and worship him. Oh, enter in. Worship him. You got to fall. Listen, you know who won't fall? Proud folk. Mm, I'll come to church, but I ain't laying in my living room floor crying and snot on the floor. I ain't emotional like that. Well, you get touched by God, you'll find some emotion. You, you, you live this thing long enough. Listen, until you had to pull off the side of the road, all that singing, until you had to pull off the side of the road because snot was on your chest and your eyes couldn't see no more. All that singing is meant to get you to bowing. All that praise is meant to get you to bow. All that praying, all that speaking in tongues, all that fellowshipping, all that everything you think you're doing to get close to God, all that is a precursor to bowing. This is where the big stuff happens for God. You feel good in praise. You feel good. The Bible says you pray in the Holy Ghost. It builds up your faith. Your prayer strengthens you. Your praise feels good. But your worship gives something to God. He fell down to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. Okay, this is a process this is a pattern this is a formula that God wants you to work you've got to bow down and you've got to thank him how do do we worship God we lay on our face and we thank God for everything he's done pastor I don't believe I have to lay down well go get another religion 
Pastor, I don't believe that I got to pray on my knees. Go get another religion. Pastor, I just don't believe that I just need to get in a, in a quiet, solitary place every single day, 365, every single day, and kneel and bow and lay on my floor and, and talk to God about what I'm thankful for. Then go get another religion. Because the religion of the Bible is this. This is what we are required to do. Some people are trying to leapfrog the precursors to get to the place they want to be. But it's step by step. Say it. Step by step. It's as you go. It's give us this day our daily bread. Christianity's a right now religion. God's a right now God. The very word means logos. It's revelation for now. You got to do what he said. This is the process. You walk, you step, you serve. You realize you got a problem, you take it to Jesus. You get to walk and step and sweat and serving, doing everything he told you to do. You look around, you find you're healed, you go back, you praise God, and then you fall down in his presence and you thank him for what he had done. If I had a secret camera on you, I might ask people that know me. I might. Don't worry about big brother watching you. you worry about pastor b- bugging your phone. Have me and Nick sneak up in your house and hit, put hidden cameras in your lunchbox. Listen, if I had a camera on you this whole week, everybody in this room, and we just put the stopwatch on how much time you spent Bowing down in his presence, thanking him. I would say, does anybody feel good enough about the time they spent this week to tell us what your stopwatch would read? But then you'd just be proud and arrogant. But I don't really believe there's anybody in here who would say, oh, man, mine is more than good. Mine is best. Mine's not just just good, better, best. Mine's beyond. No. We don't spend enough time bowing down, thanking him. You don't know what to do when you pray. You don't know what to say when you pray. You're a young Christian. You haven't developed a strong prayer life. That's okay. It's a journey for all of us. It's a process for all of us. But the process is to bow down and thank him for what he did. Don't answer out loud because I don't want you to be proud and I don't want you to be embarrassed. But I want you to think. I wish I had a camera on you. I wish I had a video, uh, audio on you to find out how many people said good morning to God before their feet touched the ground today. How many people thank God for this day before their feet touched the ground? Oh, if we had this information, we would realize we got a long way to go. And guess what? We got a long way to go. He fell down at Jesus' feet. He thanked him for what he had done. And then Jesus said, this man was a Samaritan. He wasn't, this man was no part of God's covenant. He was, Jesus had told people before that asked him for healing. He's like, I ain't got time for you. The Syrophoenician woman came to him, wanted healing. He said, I'm here for the people of Israel first. And then I'll catch y'all up. This dude was a Samaritan, but you know what? It doesn't matter where you come from. 
or who you are. If you do what God tells you to do, you're going to get your blessing. Verse 17 said, Jesus asked him, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Now, this dude, you know, I, I'm sitting there thinking, I don't know. What's that got to do with me? <laughs> I'm up here doing right. You, you pressing me about them. I, 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 listen, these were lepers that lived in a colony together. They shared a bloody puss rag. <laughs> they watched each other lose fingers, toes, and noses together. They knew each other. This man knew where the mother nine were. He knew what was going on. They came together. They left together. He said, didn't I heal ten men? Now, see this? They weren't even near Jesus when he healed them. They were walking to the temple a long way away. But Jesus knew his word never comes back void. Jesus knew. He, didn't ever, he never spoke their healing. He just thought it. And it happened. He knew he healed them all. He knew as they went, they all got healed. He said, where are the other nine? Huh, that's a good question for every real Christian. How many people walked this aisle and got saved last week? Deacon West? Fourteen. I'm so glad to see you in church, man. I love you. I don't know you enough, but I, 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 I told my staff that, that I, 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 just, I got love for you. Uh, you 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 you've been paying attention for so long. You you've been faithful, and and I, I just love I, I love seeing people in church that I think are listening, because so many people are clock watching me. And we're late today already, but don't 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 step out on what God wants to do for you. Walked out last week, here this week. Uh, listen, I'm not gonna do it because I can't deal with the depression. But if I said how many people, if I said all 14 of y'all. That came down here crying snot and confessing salvation last week are here today. How many people in this room believe all 14 of them came back? I don't. Well, why wouldn't you believe that, Pastor? You're supposed to lead by faith. I've been doing this 35 years. That's the question I have every time I see God bless somebody. And then they don't come back. Where are they at? Where are they at? I've had so many people. The administrator can witness. The elders can witness. Church members have been around for a long time. Amber and Cindy sitting on the back row. We can't get Baptists out of people. But we've been at this church since the day we started. Seen them all. Pastor Scott, I love you. You taught me more about God. You're my father. You're my spiritual daddy. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to be right there with you. And, and I've I, I told my church administrator, my sister, my biological sister, boy, I hate it when they say that. Because that's just a precursor to them hitting the door. Once they make them big confessions, Pastor, everybody, all them people that left out there talking bad about you after you blessed them and served them and did so much for them, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna be. I've had so many people swear to God up and down sideways. I'm gonna be the last one standing. <laughs> Where are they at? Where are they at? I'm gonna say this, and you need to get this. Where are you at right now 
You are here. That's obvious. That's common sense. We know this. Here's my question for you. Where are you going to be at next week? Where are you going to be at in a month? Where are you going to be at in a year? Where are you going to be at five years from now? Sixteen years in this church. Me and three other people still here. I'm the 16 people and some children to start with, so that, that's not a bad percentage. But where are you going to be at? Do not be. Be like the one. Don't be like the nine. Be the one that is always on point. Don't be like these nine drifters that didn't come back. Verse 18. He said, has no one returned to give God glory except this foreigner? He had been healing Jews. He had been ministering to church folk that just all disappeared on him. Didn't come back. People get saved. Listen, if somebody gets saved one week and don't come back the next week, you got to have some serious concern about what that, that could. Listen, walking out praying a prayer can be an emotional decision and not a life-changing impact. Don't think because you walked an aisle and prayed a prayer that it's over for you. You better have a lived-out relationship with God. He said, where are the rest of these? He healed them. But they didn't come back. Verse 19, Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has made you whole. His faith caused him to walk. His faith caused him to go when Jesus said go. His faith called him, caused him to do things that he didn't understand, but he knew that God had said it, so he did it. But the word is specific, and you got to think about inference. Your faith has made you whole. He said this right after he said, where's the other nine? Ten people get healed. One person comes back. Jesus says to the one person, your faith has made you whole. Anybody got any idea what happened in the other nine? I do not have to read it to know it. I've read enough. I know how Jesus talks. I know how the Bible plays out. This man got healed, gave glory to God, praised God, worshiped God, fell on his face before God, and Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. Guess what happened to them other nine? They, they went right back to that puss rag. Don't think one trip to the altar is all you need. God delivered me from cigarettes. What? That ain't no one-time issue. And listen, let's, let's, let's just be honest. How many people have quit smoking at least five times in their lifetime? The rest of y'all, yeah, keep living. Listen, it ain't no one. Come to the altar. No, what God does, he does forever. Yeah, but he does forever in a process. Don't think because you got delivered one time that it's over. Don't think one trip to the altar will fix you. Why, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, you better keep touching. If God had just touched me one time, I'd be made right. You better keep touching. You better keep staying. You better keep praying. His faith made him whole. Them other nine are in trouble. How do I know that? Because Jesus asked where they were. People that don't come back. They're in trouble. But people who come back, 
and live out their faith, when their faith has action, it makes them whole. See, the number of those who pray is always going to be greater than the number who prays. Ten of them prayed to the Lord to get fixed. Only one of them gave God praise. They all cried out, have mercy on us, but only one come back to praise him. Listen, whenever you get something you've asked God for, you better praise him or you're going to lose it because your faith has to continue. Faith is not a one-time thing. Faith is a lived-out action. Faith that causes no action is not real faith. James, God told us that faith without works is dead. In the original Greek language, what that literally means is that faith that is not working is not really faith at all. It's not that faith lives or dies. It's that faith works or faith doesn't work. And faith without action is dead. This man's faith had action. He Listen, but there were more people praising him. There were more people praying, asking God. Then there were praising. But there were more people praising him than there were worshiping him. That's why when we have 21 days of prayer and consecration here in this building, no singing, no clapping, no preaching, no announcements. We just come and we get on our knees and we pray and we worship God, all six of us. Am I right, Deacon? That's how we do it. Why? Because there's more people that pray. Everybody prays. Drunks pray to the ivory goddess because they don't want to have dry heaves. Amen? Listen, everybody prays. Dry heaves will get you. Everybody prays. More people pray than give praise to God. More people give praise to God. Then worship God. What am I saying? There's a narrowing funnel here. Are you going to go through it to get to this place where you bow down and worship him? Or are you going to fall out in the process? Because when you fall out in the process, everything you thought you had, you no longer have. All ten believed the word and went to the priest, but only one praised the Lord. All ten believed, even though he didn't say be healed, they believed that they'd go show themselves and, and something good would happen. They had confidence Jesus would bless them. They had faith, but they didn't come back and thank God for healing. See, we can have faith. We can have praise. But do we come back? There's a comeback blessing that solidifies what God gave you. That's why people that walked out and get saved come back to solidify what God has given them. That's why people that quit whatever they're struggling with, they keep quitting. And they keep coming back to God to solidify what God is doing in their life. Some of y'all have been blessed by God and you gave up your blessing because you didn't keep a comeback blessing. You got to have a comeback blessing. I want you to consider this morning. The amount of healing that God does and the response that he receives as a result of that. I want you to think about the good things that God has done and the limited amount of praise he gets as a result of it. I want you to think of the great things God has done and the limited amount of falling down before him and thanking him for it. God can deliver you from your issues today, but you can go right back to him. 
That's why you can be on the altar Sunday morning. You can be in your seat praising God, thanking God, com committing your life to God. Get out on 103rd Street and lose it all. Ain't that right? It's a comeback blessing. you got to keep coming back to be made whole. That healing was not whole. That healing was right now. That healing was conditional. His healing made him whole because of his faith and his action. The rest of them weren't whole. It's going to come back. Live long enough. You're going to be in church. You're going to see people, hallelujah, praise God, glory to God, sitting on the front row. What can I do, pastor? I'm just saved. God changed my life. I'm going to do everything, everything. Gone. Where are they at? They're not whole because they didn't come back. Faith that works requires action. Can you pray? See, you can pray for something, but do you serve and walk and sweat until it happens? You can have faith for something. You can confess it, declare it, decree it, believe it, stand on it. But do you do what he tells you to do, work, sweat, and go your way until it happens? Faith that works requires action. These men were healed as they went. Here's what I want to tell you. And I don't have time to bring all y'all up front because this is the longest I preach in, in months. If you're visiting, it ain't always this long. It's long, but it ain't always this long. I ain't in a hurry to rush through what God has to say to his people. I'm just not. I thank God the average sermon in America lasts less than 30 minutes. The average sermon here, we're on an hour and 25 right now, but I'm winding it up. These men were healed as they went. If we had an altar call right now, and I called for every drunk, every drug addict, every gossip, every person with anger, rage, bitterness, unforgiveness, every non-tither, and all those people came. Everybody addicted to prescription medicine, Everybody who's not living, everybody who ain't praying, reading their Bible, giving, living, right? If all those people came, we'd pray and we'd ask God to forgive us. And then we'd go and we'd walk it out. But the only people that would be whole are the ones that come back. So here's my punchline. Keep coming back. Keep coming back. Keep coming back until it happens. And then even after it happens, keep coming back so you can hold on to what happened. They all got healed, but they didn't all hold on. Don't leave when God blesses you. Don't walk away from God when you get something. Keep coming back, keep living, keep serving, keep doing what he's called you to do. Well, Pastor, when does it end? When God is done with you, he will take you to heaven. But until then, we're going to work until Jesus comes. We're going to wait until Jesus comes. We're going to serve until Jesus comes. We're going to come back 
until Jesus comes, we're going to keep living until Jesus comes. We're going to keep giving until Jesus comes. We're going to keep worshiping until Jesus comes. We're going to keep praising until Jesus comes. We're going to keep fellowshipping until Jesus comes. We're going to keep coming to church until Jesus comes. We're going to keep loving each other until Jesus comes. We're going to keep forgiving until Jesus comes. We're going to keep accepting people until Jesus comes. I'm a comeback Christian. I'm a comeback Christian. Not because I pastor. I'm a comeback Christian at every church I've ever been to. I was a church member for a long time. Man, I was in church. I was a comeback Christian. From the day I got saved, I was a comeback. 28 days in a row, I was in church the first month I got saved. Every night, every day. I was going to a Baptist church. They finished at 12 o'clock on the dot, scared people to be mad at them. Started at 11, done by 12. There ain't a lot of time to give to God when a football game lasts three and a half hours. Done. Going to a church on Herlong Road on the west side of Jacksonville, 7775 Herlong Road, West Side Baptist Church. Where I got licensed. But they were done by 12 o'clock. And on my way home, I had to go over the hump on Old Middleburg Road. And at the bottom of that hump, still there today, I saw people walking in. Church parking lot full. Black church, people walking in. Like, they're just not getting there. They're 12, 15. So I started going to the Church of God by faith on Old Middleburg Road because they had church from 11 to 3.30. Everybody testified. Everybody sang a song. Everybody got to stand up and give God praise. And the preacher sweated and he preached. And I'm like, I just want to be in church. I go home and take a nap. I go home and eat a sandwich. I go home and watch some TV. But I've been a comeback Christian my whole saved life. And I believe that's the reason why the blessings that I have, I've been able to hold on to. I believe that's the reason why the advancement that God has allowed me, I've been able to sustain. Too many people, it's like climbing a ladder. Too many people start climbing a ladder of spirituality, then they quit. Well, when you quit, you fall back down. You got to keep climbing. So you climb 10 steps and you fall down. You climb 10 steps, you fall down. You climb 10 steps, you fall down. You've never been to step 11 in your life. Hold on. Keep coming back. Don't let go of the ladder. Find out what step 12 looks like. Find out what step 15 looks like. Stop falling down. It's exhausting to climb back to step 11. Just hold on, climb 10 steps again, you'd be up to 20. Be a comeback believer. Here's what I want you to do. Whatever issue you have, I want you to tell it to God today. Whatever problem you have, whatever addiction you have, whatever bad habits you have, whatever lack you have, whatever hurt you have, I want you to tell it to God today. When I go come to this altar, you can tell it to God right where you sit. 
I want you to bow your head right now, and I just want you to tell God, whatever problem you have, you got to be honest about your issue. Whatever you want God to heal, maybe there's a person you want God to save. Maybe there's somebody in your family that's not fully saved yet, and you want God to move in their life. I want you to call their name to God right now, and I want you to ask God to do what it is you want Him to do. Whatever you need God to do in your life, some of y'all need a breakthrough financially. Some of y'all need a breakthrough in your health. Some of y'all need a breakthrough spiritually. Some of y'all need a breakthrough of addiction. Some of y'all need a breakthrough just for crazy people to leave you alone. Tell it to God right now. And as you tell it to God, we're going to get up in a minute. We're going to walk away from this place. You've already seen the priest today. You're going to walk away from this place. And as you go, I don't want your focus to be on your healing. I want you to your focus to be on your stepping. This is where we miss it. I want your focus to be on your journey. Focus on where God has you now and just realize in the sweet by and by, things are going to get better. As I keep moving, I'm going to get this. And I want you to keep stepping. God, we love you. And we thank you for loving us, God. I thank you for life, for salvation. I thank you for everything you've delivered me from and everything you're yet to deliver me from. I give you praise, God. I worship you because you're great and you're wonderful. You're mighty. There's no God like you. You're God all by yourself. There's no real God but Jehovah. So we come to you now and we, could, we admit, Lord, we confess that we have problems. We have issues. We have areas that need your touch, Father. And, Lord, we are willing to walk it out. We are willing to go and believe you as we go. We are willing to serve and believe you as we serve, God. We are willing to give and believe you as we give. We are willing to live and believe you as we live, God. Help us to walk out this journey, Lord. Let us be comeback Christians, Lord. Let us come back on Wednesday night if we can, God. Let us come back on Sunday if we can, and let us tell the world that God is is alive. We love you and we thank you for all you've done in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine podcast and visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to alcfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.